a few weeks ago, we talked about ministry and huperesso, under rowers of a ship, what ministers really are. We're in the bottom compartment of a ship and we're rowing and we're sentenced there until we die. But, but we're not really going to hash on that. If you'll give me a couple of weeks here, this is a great story. It's found in Mark chapter 2, and there's only about four verses. And we're going to read it from the good old King James. And it came, and again, that he entered, which is Jesus, back into Capernaum, because that was where he made and set up his headquarters. And after some days that it was noise or heard that he was back in the house. He was back home. And straightway many were gathered together, so much that there was no room to receive them. No, not so much as, as even about the door. Now, there were some angles about this. Not only there were people who wanted to hear, but we had the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees had strong men to keep people away. So same way with the temple. They had some guards there to try to suppress what was going on. But besides that, and Jesus preached the word unto him. That is so important. Listen, you don't have to have gimmicks to get people to come to church. You don't have to put on gimmicks for, for people's lives to change. If you'll just preach the word and just preach the word, people's lives will change. And that's the way it is. It may not be fancy here. We may not have smoke and mirrors and, and rock stars and people come up out of stages. But I will tell you, if you'll just preach the word, it is the word of God that will change you. It was the word of God that changed you because you believe the simple thing called John three sixteen, and because you believe that, your life was changed. So there's nothing more different between John 3, 16 and the rest of it. So, so they came unto him, bringing him one sick of palsy, which was born of four. It means four people carried one guy that had palsy. And when they could not come near him, were not to, they pressed to uncover the roof where Jesus was. And when they had broken it open or took the roof off and they let it down the bed where the sick of the palsy lay, it means they let him down to watch this. It says this, Jesus said, because of you guys' faith, not his faith, but their faith, he turned to the man and said, Behold, your sins are forgiven. And he healed him. And when Jesus saw their faith, it wasn't the guy on the sick bed. It was the four guys that brought him. Then he said to the palsy man, Thy sins are forgiven. And he was healed. So let that kind of sink in this morning. You're going to come across people that really doesn't have the, the faith enough to get out of a spiritual paper sack. And that's where we're going to come in today. God has called you and saved you for more than you just sit there and take up good space in a pew. God has called us for service. There's only two things that's going to happen in this church. One is evangelism and one is service. It's all two. That's it. Just two. It's very simple. And we should exercise the second one when we get the first one. So the more you hear the evangelism, euangelis is the word, euangelis, the more we receive the good word, then why wouldn't we want to share with everywhere, everywhere we go? We should. So these four guys heard that Jesus was back home and they got an idea, even though they wouldn't let him in the front door, they said, we have a DeWalt reciprocating saw and we're going to take the roof apart. <laughs> we, as this church, need to take lessons from these four guys. Amen? So if you ever decide to get involved and carry another person, their weights, their problems, their needs, you'll soon discover that it's a heavy load and it's hard work as well. And never be duped into thinking that ministry is easy because it's going to require great patience and perseverance on your part. And unlike the Hollies, he is heavy and he is my brother. 
you've heard me say this perseverance is, is, is a word in the Greek that basically means per, means to continue forward. And severance means to, to receive a wound or to have something severed from your body. To be injured. Perseverance means that even though that I've been injured, I made up my mind to continue to go forward. You see, we as the people of the church, in, 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 especially in the Christian community, that for some reason we've been taught that, 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 that we're going to live this spiritual life in a bubble and nothing will ever happen to us. Whoever told you that, they lied. We've all been hurt. We've all been injured. We've all been talked about. We've all been lied to. And that's just the people in the church. Linda Ronstadt got it right. I've been cheated. I've been mistreated. When will I be loved? Gayla sung that at our wedding. I don't understand that. Perseverance, it means this, that when you're dealing with people, isn't it amazing that the people that you're trying to help, they're the ones that'll snap and bite you. You're trying to help somebody your very best, and you turn around and find out they've even said something about you, or they criticize you, and they're critical, and you go, I'm the only person that's trying to help you here. Listen, if you ever decide to go in ministry, and I don't mean up here, I mean the service of the church, you're going to find out you're dealing with imperfect people and go ahead and look in the mirror and still you're dealing with imperfect people. And it's hard work. It's a Greek word called spadazzo. It's hard work. Turn to somebody and say, you're not the easiest person in the world to... No, you better not do that. Never mind. <laughs> go ahead and look at me. You're not the easiest guy to get along with. I mean, I don't care. I know that. So the lesson to be learned here from R214 is that we need to be sensitive to people who just simply needs to get to Christ. We need to be sensitive. Because somehow that these four guys, they get lost in this story. And really this story is about these four gentlemen. Oh, I understand a great miracle happened, but I'm going to tell you, Jesus said it was because of you four that caused me to heal this man. We need to be sensitive to the people that are trying to or simply need to get to Jesus. The palsy guy was not trying to get to Jesus because some translators tell you that he was a paralytic or a paraplegic. He couldn't even move. And make no mistake about it. Right here and right now, within these yellow walls. We have people that desperately need to get to Jesus. Yeah. They may seem okay and they may sound okay and they may seem okay, kind of, and they may even say that they're okay, but make no mistake about it, they're not okay. And if we're not careful that these people that desperately need to get to Jesus, if we're not careful that we get so lost in what we're trying to accomplish and what we want to perform and people are sitting right next to us that absolutely need to get to Christ. And so the first thing we're going to say, well, if they need to get to Jesus, they know how to get to him. Good luck. Well, that's not really the lesson. You failed that lesson. And we're going to talk about this this morning. Here's the fact that this gentleman had palsy. So palsy, I'm, I'm not a medical doctor like Ron or Danny. 
But I will tell you, Webster gives us the definition of palsy. Palsy is the condition of someone that's unable to control or command the movement of a specific or any part of their body. Now, when you, when you read about this guy with the palsy, I don't know what you picture. I think a little bit different than you do. When I, when I read the scriptures and I kind of dive off into it, I really want to know. I kind of want to know, did he have a green shirt on? You say, well, why do you, why do you talk about Hebrew and Greek? Because I want to know, the Apostle Paul said, that I went from Damascus to Jerusalem. Well, I want to know how he got there. I want to know if it was in a, on a camel, a burrow, a Lexus, in an airplane, a helicopter, on a motorcycle. Was it a Harley? It better have been. I want to know. Was it green? Was it automatic transmission? Did it have air conditioning? Did he have a hi-fi stereo? Or was he, you know, had a CB radio antenna saying, breaker, breaker? I want to know these things. Because I spent my whole life in church under people that probably didn't know or didn't care. But as I began to understand some things, it made things clear. Palsy, this man had palsy. It was broken down in two phases. Number one, he had no control or he had no command over specific or any part of his body. Now, that's kind of important. So look, let's, let's look at these two. Number one, it's called spastic muscles. Now, if you need the diagram, Danny DeVork has a diagram on his phone about this. Spastic muscle, by definition, means having no control over their movements. Now, in layman's term, it's called tremors or shakes. It's called tremors or shakes. So by definition, the first problem that this guy had was that something that he desperately wanted, something that he desperately needed. Matter of fact, this person cannot control or hold on to objects that they truly desire to hold on to. So I will tell you right now that I desperately need a drink of this water. But when you have palsy, I cannot control what I need. And neither can I hang on to it. You see, there's, there's people sitting in the pew beside you that have spiritual palsy. And you may not be aware of it. They are desperately needing something in their life, but unfortunately, they don't have the ability to control it or hold on to it. Think about that. They can't hang on to a job. They can't hang on to a commitment. They can't hang on to a relationship. They can't keep their word. They can't keep their faith in God. They can't keep their trust in others. They can't keep their priorities. They, they, can't, keep, they can't hang on to anything. And these people have been sitting in our churches Sunday after Sunday that desperately needs to hang on to certain facts and certain principles of life and love and laughter, but they can't hang on to it. It seems to slip out of their hands. And the result of this is a lifestyle of, of being out of control. 
I can't hang on to it. I want you as my friend, but I can't keep you. I want a relationship with God, but I can't hang on to it. I so want to do better, but for some reason, I just cannot keep my promise. That's palsy. I desperately want it, but I can't control my movements. The second one is called frozen muscles. It means that by definition, we have no command over the movements. The first one, we can't control the movements. Now then, we have no command over the movements. And I'm not insinuating that any of you here are dealing with any of these problems. I'm just telling you, you're all dealing with this problem. All the muscles and the tissue, the blood vessels, the bones, the nerve endings, they're all present in the body, but for some reason, the body seems to be stuck, immobile. You're paralyzed. And when you get in this condition, here, I wrote about four things that, that on the inside that this guy is screaming. Number one, I should be able to get past this. Turn to somebody and say, you look like you're all here. Tell them. Let me see. I see eyes, ears. I think there's a brain in there. I... Number two, he says, if so, I so want to move forward in my life. And number three, I don't want to live another day like this, but for some reason, I just can't move. When you have spiritual palsy in these two areas, by definition, it means that, number one, you've lost the ability to control or hang on to things that you desperately want to hang on to. And the second is, is this, that you've lost your command to move forward. You've lost your ability, and in your brain you're saying that I should get past this hurt, I need to get past this, if I could just get past this optical this obstacle, uh, this thing happened to me five years ago, and for some reason, it's paralyzed me. Has anybody besides me ever had anything happen to them in the church? And the problem is, you probably have got over it. And it's not that he, and so you, you, go, you go see somebody that, you know, here they are in all their wisdom. They say, well, just get over it. I think the Eagles wrote a song, just get over it. It's not that easy. When someone is taken from you, when someone walks out on you, when somebody betrays your trust in them, it's not just that easy to get over it. When we have to visit the cemetery prematurely, it's not that easy to get over it. When we have to go to a divorce court that we wasn't looking forward to going to, it's not just that easy to get over it. When someone chews you out in the church parking lot because you took their parking place, it's not that easy to get over it. And you find yourself paralyzed. You're stuck. You find yourself not making progress in the things of God. And I will tell you, because I've been doing this for 30-something years, that when I visit with people about this, it'll all go back to the place, and I would say this, when did it happen and where did it happen? And they'll say, what are you talking about? I said, for some reason, 
Something happened to you. He said, oh, yeah, well, it happened back in 1999. The Sunday school teacher stuck her tongue out of me, and I've never been the same since. And I said, well, have you prayed about it? Oh, yeah, but I, I just can't get past it. You have palsy. Everything's screaming at me to do better. Everything is screaming at me to make forward progress, but I can't move. I just sit on a pew, and I go through the motions, and I try to look normal. I look okay. I seem okay. I act okay, and I try to sing okay, but the truth is not, I am not okay. I promised my wife at the altar that I would do these things, but I failed miserably. In a rage of anger, when I come home, it's the way that my children cow down and look at me, and it's the way that my wife does not look at me. That makes me realize I need change. And I'm stuck. So this morning, there's probably some causes for conditions if you find yourself stuck spiritually. Number one, you could be crippled by some childhood memories, frozen by financial frustrations, immobile by marital mishaps, Stuck by stress, mm. paralyzed by problems. We all have stuff in our life. We all have issues. So I wrote some things down, you've heard this, but these are little quotes that, that when you get tempted to be paralyzed by fear and doubt, these are five little quotes that we printed out for you. Jordan hit the music. Once while a village was experiencing a long drought, all the villagers decided to come together and pray, and on the day of prayer, all the people gathered, but only one small boy brought an umbrella. That's faith. When you throw babies up in the air, they laugh because somehow they always know that you'll always catch them. That's trust. Every night when we go to bed without any assurance of being alive the next morning, but still we set the alarms to wake us up. That's hope. We plan big events for tomorrow in spite of zero knowledge of our future. That's confidence. And while we see our world suffering, but still we choose to marry, have children, and raise a family, that is love. So there's good news and bad news here this morning. I'll give you the bad news first. The bad news is that some of you, maybe all of you, have spiritual palsy. But the good news is, you're in good company. You're surrounded by people that will take you to Jesus. And Jesus will heal you. So let it be said of us this morning, that as we go about our routines and we have the love of God and the faith of God and the hope of God and the confidence of God and we have all these things working in us, 
but they're there for a reason. They're not just metal and badges on our lapel to show off. God has given us these things that we may be as these four. And let us be sensitive to the needs of other people because little do we know that maybe someone attended a funeral this week. Maybe somebody is going through a bitter divorce. And maybe somebody that is stuck spiritually and they're not making spiritual progress. And let it be said of us as the people of God that we have done everything in our power to take you to Christ. And I want to tell you from experience, from every one of you, I was gone and I was glad to be gone. You know, I could just take you for so much. But I'm glad to be back. Because the world out there really doesn't have the love of God and the hope of God. But I will tell you that I found myself in this place, in this house of worship, that God has surrounded me by men and women that are so interested in my needs that they'll make sure that I find my way to Christ. So that person beside you, you don't really know what they're going through. You may not know what they're struggling with, but God knows. But let's just be like one of these four. Let's be sensitive to the needs of other people. And this is the way that you can do this. If you just can't get it out of your head, then God has placed them in your heart. And when God does that, then do everything you can to pursue these people and get them to Jesus. Can we do that? So don't raise your hand. Are you stuck? Don't raise your hand. Are you paralyzed? There's nothing wrong with your vocal cords. I understand that. I'm asking you spiritually, are we making progress? Are we doing something? Are we going forward? Are we reaching and extending? I'm not telling you you can't talk and sing and pray. I'm asking you a question. Are you stuck? Has something happened to you in your past that's paralyzed you? You're in good company. Because you're surrounded by people that our objective in our Christian walk is to move you closer to the reality that God loves you. And He wants to heal you. And I'm very thankful for that. Philip, you and Rachel, it's my job. I'm on you like a rat on a Cheeto. Because God has placed you in my heart. And I'm going to take off every roof and kick down every door to make sure that you get right in the middle of the presence of Christ Himself. Matthew, I love you. And it's my responsibility to get you to the reality of the love of Christ. You're in good company. We're going to take you to Jesus. Father, this morning, we're just so thankful for the love of God in this place. Thank you for Bible lessons and truth that kind of unfolds certain events that happens. We've all experienced spiritual palsy. We all know what it's like for something to happen. 
We can take you back to the place and time and the event that it happened that at that moment that palsy set in, we've lost, we've lost our ability to control or hang on to the things that we desperately need to hang on to. We can't hang on to friendships. We can't hang on to relationships. We can't hang on to, to commitments. We, we can't hang on to trusting others. We can't hang on to, to our trust in you at times. And, and we desperately want it, but we have lost that ability to control it or even hang on to it. And not only that, we've lost the ability in our commands of our body. We're stuck. We're yelling and screaming on the inside to move and go forward and get past it. But we find ourselves still, still, still stuck in the same place we've been through for years. Father, would you send four to us? This week, would you let us be one of the four that will find that person that's lonely and empty and wounded and hurt and immobile and stuck? And let it be said of us, because of our faith, they were healed. Father, this morning we love you. And we're just so thankful that you're the God that cares and concerns for us. And thank you for every home that's being healed. Thank you for every body that's being restored. Thank you for every mind that's being at rest. Thank you. And thank you for putting people in my life that's interested in me getting to Jesus. And we give you thanks this morning in Christ's name. And all the people of God said, amen. amen. Turn to about two people and say, listen, it's because of you that I'm the person that I am today. And that's on a good sense, huh? Stand to give the Lord a praise offering this morning, would you please? The Lord is good. So while the communion servers kind of make their way, that keep in mind that your service in the kingdom is so important. Whether it be teaching a Sunday school class, picking up trash in the parking lot, helping in the nursery, shaking hands, greeting one another, that is so important because you have no idea of the people that have struggled even to get here. They desperately need to find Jesus. So make it your mission this week to find someone maybe hurting or lonely. Help them. Invite them to church. Give them words of encouragement. Tell them there's hope for tomorrow. Tell them that the love of God still remains. That night, Jesus said with his disciples, he took the bread and the cup. And he said, for 1,500 years, you've been celebrating this ordinance of Holy Communion, the Passover, they refer to it. But Jesus, he took the bread, he said, I am the bread of life that my father sent down 
And as often as you take this bread, it will remind you of me. He took the cup, which was the third cup, the cup of redemption, and he said for 1,500 years you've been celebrating the Lamb's blood that was taken and placed upon the doorpost in the shape of a cross. But he said, I am the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world and my blood will be shed and placed in the shape of a cross for the forgiveness of your sins. And as often as you take this bread and drink of this cup, it will remind you of me. For the last 15 years, we have celebrated Holy Communion every Sunday without fail. It is the last instructions that we've been given by Jesus. Even past love one another. So this morning, once again, that we have the opportunity to bring someone to Jesus. We not, may not be tearing off the roof, but we may be breaking down some barriers. And this morning, don't come to communion by yourself. Bring somebody. Take them by the hand. Pray with them. Get them to where Jesus is. And whatever their name may be, we're confident that Christ will meet their need. Father, bless this cup, bless this bread. And for all that you're doing in our life, we give you thanks. In Jesus' name. Amen.